artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Castaneri-King. Today, I am delighted to have one of our series gallery very own artist, Judith McKenna. Welcome, Judith. Well, thank you, Laura. This is great. Yeah. And you. um, you're currently living in Manchester, but eventually soon, I think, moved mm-hmm. to Kittery Point. That's right. Moving to Kittery Point. Just, so, just across yeah. the river. Yeah. That'll be lovely. Lovely. Yeah. So have you always been a New England girl? No, actually, I'm originally from Iowa. Wow, brought you way out here. Yeah, I came a long way. I started out in Iowa, and that's where my I launched my painting career. Wow. How about five. Oh, you were five? I love it. Oh, Coke, please tell. <laughs> uh, this is a really great memory. I think it's one of my earliest. Yeah. So, my family was very much into art, and my uncle was a professional artist. My great uncle was a professional photographer, so they were very encouraging. Wow. So I was five. They enrolled, my mother enrolled me into the Cedar Rapids Museum Art School for children, the, the, the children's classes. Yeah. And they had a show at the end of the class time. I don't know how long the classes were, but um, of the children's work. And so we got all bundled up and then dressed in my finest to go to the opening. And <laughs> we walk in the front door and there, there's a flight of stairs going up and there the featured painting was my painting. And it was quite large. And I remember being absolutely stunned. Just, just I was dumbfounded that they would put my painting up on the wall as the feature <laughs> painting. So, so it's been down here. Ever since, because I've never been in a museum since, of course, you know, this, <laughs> that was my one claim to fame. I was in the Cedar Rapids Art Museum. For I love tour. it. So yeah. what were you doing previous to that, that your mother saw some potential and enrolled you at five? Yeah, well, she's told me that I would sit in a baby tender. She called it a baby tender. We, you know, you'd sit there and she said, I would give you crayons and you were like two years old. And you would be totally absorbed for hours. Wow. I'm just totally wrapped up in doing the drawing with the crayons. Yeah. So she gave me finger paints, anything. And so she thought this child needs to take classes. That's awesome. Really into it. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, yeah. So that's how I started. And I really did take pretty much classes ever since then. Yeah. Just continued on, you know. So did you? Did you take private classes throughout your school years? No, that I went to, they always had art classes. Okay. And so I those. And the high school, we ended up moving to Illinois, and I went to a very large high school with 5,000 students. So they had an amazing art department with, you know, oh. sculpture and painting and um, just everything you can imagine, woodworking and just a huge selection of art courses. Nice. And Every year for the four years I was there, I was taking art courses every semester. Wonderful. 
Yeah. I have to back up for a second. What was this painting of at five years old? That was well, that's the oddest part of the whole story. <laughs> it was a nun. And we weren't Catholic. In fact, we hardly ever went to church. And my, I have no idea why <laughs> I painted a nun. Maybe I just thought they were unusual, you know, in yeah. dressed in habit, you know, that there was a nun dressed in her habit. Yeah. And yeah, that's what it was. And that's very odd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So what did you do with um, art through, through your college years? So I originally wanted to be, I decided I wanted to be an architect because that was a great way to use art. So I majored in architectural engineering okay. in college. Um, it was a five-year program, and it was unbelievably rigorous. Mm. First day of class, they brought all the freshmen together. There were 90 of us in the freshman class of architectural engineering at the University of Miami. And the dean gets up there and looks at us all and says, 10 of you will graduate. <gasps> 10? <laughs> and there was only one other woman in amongst the 90. There were 88 men and two women, me and this other girl. And we looked at each other and said, it's not going to be either one of us. <sighs> we know already. So, uh, sure enough, I mean, by the second semester, I just had it. It was, it was so rigorous. There would have been no social life at all. Wow. And to be able to be among the 10. Yeah. You know, and it was already selective to be among the 90 that got in. Sure. And they were going to wash out 80 of them. So, so then I switched to art from there. And I majored in art. And uh, I... I then decided, well, I don't think I'm going to, I did student teaching in art okay. in my, and they gave us a cart. So there was no, I was used to this high school with amazing facilities and thinking, you know, oh, all schools are like that. You know, you have your own rooms, you've got, you know, facilities. <laughs> <laughs> they, I get a cart and I'm pushing it from homeroom to homeroom with all the supplies and it, it just, no time with the students, very little time to get set up. By the time you set up with the students, you've got to break it back down and take it to the next room. Oh, boy. So I just decided that that wasn't going to be for me. I, I'd be too frustrated because yeah. you wouldn't have the time to devote to kids. Mm -hmm. So then I switched to psychology. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just to have something, you know. But I got a master's degree in communications which kind of combined at Boston University. I went to Boston University and got me to New England and kind of combined art with graphic design and, and that sort of thing. So that nice. that's what I went into then. Yeah. Communications and um, marketing and that kind of thing. Nice. So I see you're a pastelist and which came first, the pastel or the oil paint? The pastel came first. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And it's interesting. I, I started taking classes at E.W. Poor in Manchester. Yeah. I was taking classes with Robin Frisella. Yes. And um, uh, really, and she was just so dedicated. I was so impressed. And then she started traveling and selling. And yeah, I just, just thought she was a great role model for anybody starting out yeah. because what she was, what she was accomplishing. I interviewed Robin. I, she's back in the like 30 or 40 you did. episode. I, I, <laughs> yeah, she's a lot of fun. You mentioned Linda Bremsky. She started with her, which I did as well. Uh -huh. And 
moved on to Sue Zylak, and I did the same thing, moved on to Sue Zylak, who's a, just a fantastic portrait painter and wow. uh, just a wonderful instructor. She's since moved, I think, to North Carolina. So that ended. Um, so I took some more classes after that, and then I ended up going to Ingridson Studio in Manchester. Okay. And did that for a year and a half. Wow. So to home skills, you know, and still trying, still trying to get back in that museum. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that later because I know you actually are in a museum on a regular basis as a no. docent. <laughs> we'll cover that soon, but <laughs> but you want the feature? I got you. Do. <laughs> so so um, has has your art ever become a full-time career or have you kind of kept it as a hobby well, part-time? it's been, so I was teaching at Southern New Hampshire University. I was teaching communications courses and, and all. And when I retired from there, and that's when I started taking up the pastel painting. Okay. And I was really encouraged by a number of people there at Poor's. And that's when I joined uh, East Colony Fine Art in Manchester. And it's a wonderful group of artists. We had a gallery in the mill yard. Um, and that introduced me to the world of selling art because I was in a gallery and we had shows every month and, you know, mm -hmm. first things. And that was a terrific experience. With So then I decided, I, you know, I really want to make a go at this. So I do try to paint as much as I can and try to produce a lot. Good. Yeah. And, and how did you transition into oils? Because I know what, you did both. I was doing seascapes, and I took a seascape workshop with Stapleton Kearns, which was a huge, had a huge impact on me. He's a fabulous, fabulous teacher. Yeah. And I had gotten some oils to do that because he was an oil painter, you know. Um, and I just decided I, I needed to get into oils to really pursue seascape painting. That I did. I've done a lot of pastel seascapes. But um, I wanted to follow that path with oils as well. So then from him, I studied with Donald Demers in, on the Cape and uh, William Davis was last summer. And so I've tried to take uh, workshops with people that are, they're oil painters. So it's not um, really appropriate for, I mean, to take a workshop with an oil painter is best to take it in oils. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, the right medium. Which medium do you prefer? Um, at this point, I think I prefer the oils. Yeah. At this, and one of the issues I was having with pastels is it's so dusty, and I yeah. I was really worried about my health, and the brief and I was wearing masks even. In fact, that's I I had a supply of masks when everybody else was looking for masks <laughs> because I bought a bunch of N95 masks for pastel painting. Wow. It, in the dust it's you know you need to have something that's that's got yeah i've seen i've seen robin frisella set up and she's got quite the elaborate it's ventilation dust. system and it's an excellent ventilation system that she has um, my studio is really teeny and i just just didn't feel i had the space to, but but it's a really good uh rabbit air i think it's called it's it's mm. a great it is yeah great so okay good and you um what are your subjects primarily that you're drawn to paint? So I'm really drawn to coastal scenes primarily. So seascape, 
coastal, you know, boats and birds and, you know, every, anything from the coast. And do you, do you like uh, plein air more than studio painting or? No, I'm very intimidated by plein air painting. Well, when you move to Kittery Point, you're going to be right there. Do it. I, (laughs) I, I'm doing a plein air course right right now with Todd Benita. Uh And it's the first time I've done it because it's just very intimidating to be able to capture the scene in a couple hours or an hour is and so i'm i'm working at it but i do love sitting in my studio classical music playing and have all the time in the world to paint what i want to paint yeah yeah Yeah, that's nice and do you go out and take your own photo references primarily yeah take all my own photo references and um yeah, so I've, I've, I go up and down the coast. I've been down to Salisbury Beach. There's some wonderful crashing waves at Salisbury Beach. And uh, I rented a little place in Rye a couple years ago mm. in March and April. It's horrible. It was sleeting, you know. <laughs> but I was out there at five in the morning getting reference photos for seascapes. Uh-huh. Um, I could walk. It was that, the little place I rented was two blocks from the beach. Yeah. So I could walk down to the beach at five and get some reference photos doing that. So that's, that's nice. Love yeah. That. Beautiful. So that's how you fill the well, you get out in nature and absolutely take your pictures. Are you ever driving and you're like, I got to pull over. <laughs> yeah. I remember being in Scotland and seeing the most magnificent sunset because they have such uh, low boats there. And it was like, pull over. I've got to, I've got to photograph this. This is amazing. <laughs> different kind of air in Scotland and the oh absolutely yeah yeah it's, it's just beautiful yeah. there yeah yeah. Different. yeah so um let's talk a little bit about your process and how you go from your photos to you know do you tone your canvas do you sketch in your what you're doing well do you actually photoshop because I used to teach photoshop at um Southern New Hampshire University okay kept up with it all these years so I often bring it in this photoshop and I might boost color change color I might um, eliminate something erase mm-hmm. something um, use clone tool to add another bird if there's a bird you know uh-huh. so I do a lot of work in photoshop first and then once I get it to what I like then I will print it out and I'll also have it on my I have an iPad right next to my easel and so I'll be able to display it on the iPad on the easel okay so that's the first step really is to use Photoshop to mm. take a picture in some way yeah that's a good idea that's actually a really good idea yeah I'm I'm all for using any aid I can get to mm. improve because the photo cameras do not depict what you saw I know. Um, the scene and I know it because I was standing there taking the photograph and so I, I really feel like I need to change it the exposure might be off the black point that you know it, it, it the white of waves they get blown out and you don't see detail because the camera blows out the whites and then the blacks are too black so the rocks you don't see detail in the rocks either yeah. so photo allows you to bring those colors back in the so that you can see what you're doing anyway. Nice. 
Yeah. And then do you sketch in or do you just start kind of? I sketch in normally with, with uh, paint. Um, I'll sketch in the shape of the wave or if I'm doing a boat, I'd sketch in the boat and, and that. I don't do uh, underpaintings. I'm more like a la prima. I just want to jump right in and, and do, I, I leave the canvas white because the white part of the wave needs to be very white. And I really don't want anything to interfere with that. Yeah. So I don't tone the canvas under the underpainting. I know, I mean, Donald Demers does, and you know, he does a sympathetic underpainting for his, but um, I haven't been doing that. So I just sort of jump right into it and start painting that way. And I've discovered wonderful new oil paints as a, uh, Vasari has a manganese that's really beautiful blue color with transparent blue. Yeah. And uh, then there's another um, green, what is the name of it? Sea green or something like that. Um, mostly I mix my own colors, okay. but um, there's just a couple of tubes of paint that I found have been really useful to have. And those are, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so, so the, do you, you say it's ala prima? Do you ever go back and do another layer, or? Oh know, yes, I'll glaze. Oh yeah, I will do glazing. I'll let it dry, okay. and then I might go back over it uh, with another layer of a transparent um, glaze of some sort. Mm -hmm. But I, I just think of it as ala prima, just because I'm gonna, I want to do the whole painting all at once let it dry, look at it for a while, and then I might go back in and do some glazing, change the blues maybe, maybe the shadow color's not right, um, adjust it, you know, after the fact, after it's mm -hmm. dry, do more work on it. So I would Sometimes I like it just the way it is. I, I find I'm faster with pastel. Oh. It's a lot faster. Because actually with pastel, I do do a watercolor underpainting with pastel. And um, because pastel requires a lot of pastel to cover the, the board. I use an ampersand pastel board. Okay. I use paper. And it takes a lot of pastel. But if you use watercolor as an underpainting, you've already covered up that white board with you, the color of your scene and you don't have to use nearly as much pastel then to go over that and sometimes you can scrumble it in where you actually can see the that painting behind yeah. so interesting effects that way too oh nice so pastel, i definitely do underpainting um but it's a watercolor i do watercolor underpainting hmm. That's yeah. cool. So what are your favorite um, tools? And is do you use all Vasari for your oils or do you? No, I don't use all. I've only, I've just discovered Vasari only because of that manganese color. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember. It must have been on somebody's blog that they mentioned. Oh, okay. Mentioned the manganese. And uh, so I tried it and it's very beautiful, rich, rich, transparent blue. Mm -hmm. There's another blue. I'm in a few groups on um, Facebook. One of them is uh, Ocean Water Painting Group. Um, there's a Seascape Painting Group. And those have been really useful in finding out about resources and different uh, 
colors. So there's an artist on there on one of those sites that's in England and he had magnificent blue water that looked just like New England's water. So I messaged him and said, what is that color you're using? Because it's really spectacular. He said it was indigo. So I bought indigo. Sure enough, indigo is this gray blue that um, really is close to the color of the water here in New England. So oh. it's a little dark, but um, it works quite well for seascapes. Wow. And is that so, also through Vasari? No, that indigo, who makes that? I can't think of who makes. might be Windsor Newton, possibly, might make that. Mm. Yeah. And um, so what are your favorite tools? Do you pretty much stick to, like, normal brushes, or do you use other? Yeah, I do like um, flats, primarily, mm. uh, because I can't get a good edge with a filbert. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use flats and rounds primarily for my brushes. Yeah. Um, I use palette knife because I haven't figured out how to do it yet. <laughs> just play with it. Just You just have to play. I need to take class on how to use a palette knife. Yeah. I use it to colors, but I don't use it to paint. I need right. to find out how, right. how that works. So, um, so yeah, so I like uh, flats and rounds, and uh, that's primarily. And then I, lately I've been using a chip brush to just sort of smooth the edges and soften everything. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I see your puppy. <laughs> Get into the picture here. <laughs> what a dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so it's, I was going to ask about your your best uh, technology that you can offer, but it sounds like it might be your, your Photoshop or is there something? Yeah, and I have an iPad with a stand mm. which next to the easel and that really works out nicely because I can have it on. I'm, I'm thinking of getting a bigger screen. I've seen other artists. I was watching a, a video, one of these art videos the other day online and they had like a 42 inch screen. Wow. You know, and easel and I thought wow that's pretty cool I mean that that's detail you could yeah. see you know it, I mean it was just about the size of the canvas yeah so that would be pretty convenient to have not to have to blow it up I, right I find that if I can see too much detail I paint it and for me as a painter well, that's not my particular goal so I sometimes just problem. take it off my glasses too <laughs> yeah that that is a problem because you don't want to you don't want to paint every little wavelet. Yeah, I'll get so carried away. It's like crazy. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. For me, the less is more. Yeah, what about um, true. social media and stuff like that? What do you like to use? So I've been on Facebook, but I, was, I took this workshop with William Davis. I don't know if you've interviewed him. Um, I have, yeah, Bill Davis. Yeah, he's a wonderful artist. Um, and he's had fabulous success with Instagram. Fabulous success. Nice. So I'm thinking I need to do more on Instagram. And yeah. I've so, I sold two paintings actually last month from my website. Wow. It was just sort of following me and then discovered two paintings that she loved and I shipped them to her. So um, that was great to be able to do that, but that doesn't happen 
often. I've, I've gotten inquiries through my website. So I think the website's really important to have. Yeah. Um, I last summer had an inquiry about a painting and the people actually came to series and bought it because it was hanging in series, yeah. but they saw it on my website. Okay. So I think having a website's important. And then probably um, going to like Instagram and posting regularly. Yeah. yeah. And building following there. Right. Right. Would nice. be, would, yeah. So, yeah, I don't do much with my personal Instagram. <laughs> yeah. No, my, my puppy has 900 followers. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. She has, I mean, I don't have anything near that. She's got 900 followers. Oh my gosh. Her name is Little Havy Lily. She's a Havanese and she's a year old and she's real comical. So I've had a lot of comical pictures that I've been able to post oh, and no. they've been a hit apparently. And so she's up to 900 now. Well, my goodness. I think if she can do it, we can do it. I feel. <laughs> I know. Lily, what's your secret? You know. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he's oh. So. Is that her? Oh no! Yes, she's got one of her sweet joys. Oh dear. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, talk a little bit about, um, you know, what does success mean for you, and and what has been maybe your most meaningful awards? I know you've you've been in some shows and things like that. I have, and I have won awards in shows, but what is most meaningful to me, though, is the buyers and the stories behind why they're buying my painting. Yeah, that was my next painting. What is the most meaningful sale that you've made? And I'll tell you, there's a very meaningful sale that I had. I, I was up in um, a gallery in Booth Bay Harbor, Maine, and I had a seascape up there, and it was a pastel seascape. Um, kind of large and a fellow came in and absolutely fell in love with it and he told the gallery manager I wasn't there but she relayed the story to me that he had the painting in his hand and he had tears in his eyes and he said my wife recently passed away and she would have absolutely loved this painting oh. I want to buy it and I'm going to donate it to the church so that it's in the foyer as you come in and it'll be dedicated to my wife. Oh my. I was just, oh my golly. I mean, yeah. It makes it all worthwhile. I and mean, that is just, just oh, so, no. I, I was just thrilled that he, he was, you know, he felt that way. How about yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Now, was that a situation where you were able to get their contact information and kind of, I did, but I'm, I was terrible then. I did not, you know, I, I thanked him. I, I wrote him a thank you note and everything, yeah. but uh, I've not kept in touch or anything. Yeah. It was yeah. terrible. But this, this was probably maybe eight years ago when I was just starting out. Cause I've been doing this for about 12 years. So um, might've been even 10 years ago. So it was a long time ago. I didn't really know about, you know, how to keep people in into your orbit and so they know what you're doing so i didn't right. have i didn't have you know a blog i didn't do right it. yeah i don't yeah. think i even but you know now i do but anyway yeah. now do you do a newsletter is that something you, you i don't see there's something else i should be doing <laughs> <laughs> 
all these things. The, the trouble is, I feel like I should be painting. I know, and right? That gets in the way because it's like I'm, I have a, you know, I have a life. I'm doing other things too, but, and I'm, sure. and I you kind of mentioned the museum. I'm involved in the courier. Yeah. So a lot of other things going on. And I, I almost feel like I really should be at my easel and mm -hmm. not, you know, writing a newsletter or working on those things. But it is important to do that. And I think I, I need to start thinking about doing that. Yeah. So before we talk about the courier, I just want yeah. to mention that I was at Ceres Gallery one day and this couple came in and the wife walked around the corner and looked at one of your, it was like a six by 12. It wasn't too big, but it was just, to me, it was an ocean wave. Yeah. <laughs> but she looked at her husband and she said, that's, and right now I can't remember the name of that. Is that. that thank you. Yes. You remember the story and they just fell in love with it. They're like, yeah. And they knew exactly what that was. Yeah. That spot. Yeah. And I they bought it. Yeah, I, I mean, that's really neat. I, I guess they had told you that they, Summer used to rent a place at Matacat. Yeah. And Matacat is a really special place. I'm hoping to go back maybe next summer. It might be a little difficult this summer. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, it just has, it, Nantucket has really beautiful light because it's so far out in the ocean and beautiful mist and it, it's very special so i in fact i'm working on a large a 30 by is it 24 by 30 painting right now of Matacat beach wow that i've been struggling with but i think it's just about finished yeah so i've done uh, it was so amazed that they could tell that for me you know it was, it was a beautiful wave and sand but yep. there was no other giveaways that I, you know. No, <laughs> I know. No landmarks. And they just knew the shape and everything. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, that was missed over Matacat. And uh, yeah, I remember being there on that beach taking those pictures. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so she had looked at it first. And she she turned the corner. And I remember her going <gasps> like that, taking in this. Oh, and then she leaned forward and she read the card. And then she didn't let her husband close. And she said, where do you think that is? And he named it. Oh, so they, wow. both, they both knew without looking, you know, that, oh, that's, that was. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. That is yeah. just, that really is the reason I paint. I, I really want to connect with people yeah. and have, have the painting bring some memory to them of, of the place. Right. Yeah. They, so, they summered there for years and yeah, their kids. And so it was very special. Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell us what you do at the Courier and, and what goes on there and what's going on now under lockdown. Oh, gosh, yeah, lockdown. It's been sad. That yeah. <laughs> so um, I've been with the Courier for about 10 years. I um, signed up to be a docent, so I give tours. And um, I give tours to the, the most fun is the fifth graders. <laughs> All the schools in New Hampshire have a... a fifth grade section on New Hampshire uh, history. And, and we have a tour that's based around New Hampshire history. Wow. And um, so a lot of school groups come in with fifth graders. And, but we also get kindergarten, first, second, I mean, all ages. They're a lot of fun. The kids yeah. are But I also I enjoy giving tours to adults. Sometimes I'll only have one. And that's wonderful. It'll be someone very enthused. I remember just um, before the museum closed, I gave a tour. And it was just a 
a woman, a single woman that was there. Her sister was at a conference in Manchester. And I, I always ask the people that come in, what interests you? What can I show you that's of most interest to you? And she said, oh, I love landscapes. Um, I love the European. So if we could do that. And I said, so no contemporary? And she said, oh, no, I just, I, I don't like contemporary at all. And so, <laughs> well, okay, we'll, we'll concentrate on all those. But I have this one piece in contemporary I'd like to show you. And it was this very unusual oriental rug that has been shaped in the form of, it's called the liquid series of water flowing and, and then pooling on a floor. Wow. And oriental rug that's pulled on the floor, plus the rug is hanging down as if it's the water hanging down. Well, we went in there and she was just blown away by this and she took photos of it and all the rest. So <laughs> I, I, that sort of thing, because it opens people's eyes to this, you know, you may think you only like certain kinds of art, yeah, but you know, you really need to open up to potential things that you didn't even know people were doing. Right. And a fellow from, he's from Azerbaijan, Baku, and he does these rug sculptures that are magnificent. Wow. And so, yeah. So anyway, it's, I, I like doing that, that sort of things. Yeah. But then we closed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so it's been tough. So the Courier's been doing on their website uh, some really wonderful uh, Zoom um, educational programs. Oh, well, last week they had one on uh, um, what's the point of art, which was a great thing to ask, you know, with, for an art museum. Yeah. And um, they could have up to 100 participants. So they, you know, it was open to anybody who wanted to sign up. Oh, and, nice. And then discussion after that. And then uh, they've had other ones where they focus on a particular painting and they'll talk about the background of the artist and the painting and, you know, what it means and all the rest. So they've been doing a lot of that and trying to promote that to their membership. So their membership stays engaged. Um, the docents have been having uh, meetings every other Tuesday, Zoom meetings. And um, the one recently, I, I really enjoyed this one because it's a refresher, the building blocks of art, nice. color, shape, and form. Uh. And then our tours for the kids. Okay. So we take them from painting to painting and talk about, all right, you know, what is here that's color and line and shape and form? How is the artist to use those building blocks to create this piece? Nice. Yeah, it's a, it's a great tour. And usually we get art classes. The teachers bring art classes for those tours. Sure. Yeah. That's so, nice. Yeah. So over the over the ten years, what has been the most exciting visiting exhibit that you've had? Oh, Escher, without a doubt. Yeah. Yes, M. C. Escher was mobbed, and I was supposed to do a tour on the last weekend. In fact, I think it was the last day of the Escher show, and I get there, and it's in the dead of winter, and they're lined up wow. outside, waiting to get in. Wow literally lined up. I couldn't believe it. I knew I had an 11 o'clock, or maybe it was a, I think it was an 11 o'clock tour. And I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, they're lined up outside. What's it like inside? I get inside <laughs> and it is a mob scene. It's so packed. It's just 
unbelievable. Wow. So I'm thinking, how am I even going to, I can't, I can't announce a tour. I'd be stampeded by these, you know, I mean, this is terrible. <laughs> so the head curator came to me and she, he says, things are really out of control, but, and we have, and the guards are trying to control the crowds outside and we don't have any guard in the contemporary gallery. So can you go in there and be the guard today? <laughs> so I said, sure. So I went into the contemporary gallery and just, hang out and try to protect the paintings from this oh my gosh obscene people but <laughs> that that was the most interesting uh exhibit wow. we had as the mc escher i loved it i because i i loved mc escher when i was growing up i had his books about you know with his drawings and yeah illusions and just beautiful so, now, how secretive are they about what these things coming and going? Are you guys allowed to know when that's happening? Well, yes, that particular part of it we're allowed to know about major exhibitions like that. Mm -hmm. We own of paintings like a Monet, for example, which they're not, they won't tell us when that's arriving or when it's leaving because it'll be alone by a private party that owns the painting. Oh, I see. So those are always a surprise and it's a great surprise. Anyway, um, we had a loan. Um, squeaks. It sounds like Bozo the Clown is in my room. It's a happy dog. Yeah, she is. That's uh, why she has 900 followers. Um, anyway, so the Monet loan um, was magnificent. It had not been seen in the public well, forever, because it was bought from the Monet family wow. and bought by a private collector. And he then uh, lent it to the courier to have a place for it to stay until mm -hmm. it went wherever he lives, which would be some state that has a big tax on paintings when you bring them in. And if you bring, if you leave it at a museum in, in certain states, you don't pay that tax. If you leave it at a museum for three or four months. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, that that painting was magnificent because it was one of his early Monet's early paintings. It was of his father in the garden, um, and it families until just a few years ago, and never seen, and never seen again because now it's a private collection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, my puppy is being your puppy. <laughs> That's okay. Baby here. Anything so. you forgot that you'd like to? to talk about? Um, let me think. But well, I love being in Sirius Gallery. Yeah. A group of artists there. Yeah. And I, it, one of the nice things about Sirius is just meeting all the people that come in. And oh, they, yeah. I, I met this really interesting guy last summer who was from Japan. And he, was, he had come to the US for, I think, uh, a week, maybe 10 days. And he said that he was going to, came to Portsmouth to just see the seacoast. And then he was going to go to New York and he was going to be a bus busker. And he was going to put out, you know, his, um, I think he played, what did he play? Um, trombone maybe. And he was just going to go case open and go to Central Park and hope to make money. Wow. And here's this Japanese guy from Japan. <laughs> He would just do that for a few weeks, make enough money to pay to be there, and then go back home. <laughs> so we get a lot of really interesting people in the gallery. Yeah, we, we, we sure do. Stories. 
I do yeah. miss that with us being, you know, on partially oh, closed down. Uh -huh. Yeah, me too. Miss that yeah. a lot. Yeah, Portsmouth gets um, quite a quite a large international crowd. They do. They, yeah. they definitely do. Yeah, it's amazing. And I yeah. think you know uh, Portsmouth is becoming you know, even a nationally recognized destination for art. I mean, it's really starting to. It does seem that way, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, we just have, we have outstanding painters in the area. Yeah. And the more outstanding ones we get, the more a magnet it becomes. It, right. You know, snowball effect. Yeah. And that's for all of us. Sure is. For these people. It's great. Yeah. Love well, Julie, it. I can't wait till you move to the seacoast permanently. Me too. <laughs> That'll be exciting. It will, because I'm running out of reference photos. I'm yeah. really, you know. Yeah, yeah. Need some new inspiration. So people can see your work on, um, you do have an Instagram? Yes, I do with McKenna Fine Art. And then Facebook, and then your. And um, my website, judithmckenna.com. Okay, great. Yeah. And that's All where right. it is. Well, thank you so much for today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Laura. Yeah. Nice learning about you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. You got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.